Transition Awareness Breathing. Feeling grounded for both children and parents is essential for healthy living and learning. Join Eartha Powell on this series for tips and tools for creating a harmonious environment for learning. Transition Awareness Breathing will help you and your child find an individualized path to tackle change, promote lifelong learning, and discover new approaches to calmness. Hello, welcome everyone. Welcome to Transition Awareness Breathing Podcast. Oh man, do I have a surprise for you guys. But first, I just want to thank you for joining me today. I am so appreciating um, all my listeners. And I would like to thank Web Talk Radio for allowing me to have a platform to bring Transition Awareness Breathing Podcast to you. And to my producers, Mary Lou and Sam, thank you so much for making Transition Awareness Breathing Podcast available to my listeners wherever they go. Now, I know that if you have listened to at least one of my podcasts or two, you may notice that I use a lot of music in the background. Have you ever wondered why? Well, this session, we're going to talk about mindfulness and music and what is the connection but you're not going to hear it from me. I have a wonderful guest who is an expert at music, music therapy. And I am so excited uh, to have on my show um, Dr. Orit Primerton. And I have known her for, for several years, but it's been so hard to uh, make a schedule to 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 get Orit, she's so busy. And so I am so happy and excited. Thank you so much, Orit. I'm gonna turn it over to you. And if you would just introduce yourself and let, let everyone know, you know about your specialty and, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Eartha. It's so good to be here. Um, I appreciate you inviting me on. And yes, the timing worked out wonderful as I just wrapped up a semester of teaching and I'm kind of in that, I call it a month zone of trying to um, kind of decontaminate from a school year and refresh my mind and get myself back into uh, my next projects that are going to be coming along by the end of the summer. But my name is um, Dr. Orit Amy um, Elon Pemberton. I have a lot of names, married to Pemberton. (laughs) Um, essentially what I was, uh, I went to college, I, I majored in vocal performance as an undergraduate, and then I got my master's in, uh, vocal performance and then moved to Texas 20 years, 20, more than 20 years ago and received my doctorate of musical arts from the university of Texas in Austin. And my previous degrees are from Indiana university. And my life goal, if you would ask me when I was 18 was to be a famous opera singer some stage in Europe. Um, And my life took a little detour when I fell in love with pedagogy and teaching voice and having my own private studio at a young age and developed that into wanting to pursue uh, more of an academic setting and college level teaching. And so I still, I perform, I perform all over the world doing recitals and opera roles, as well as I'm in the classroom at University of the Incarnate Word here in San Antonio, where I run the voice area. I'm the voice area coordinator. So I coordinate any class that's essentially related to my instrument, which is voice. 
I have a wonderful crew of colleagues that work with me and we build curriculum in music education and music uh, therapy is our largest program right now at in our music department. Um, commercial music, we also teach students that want to go into the recording studio or pursue a career in, in commercial singing. And we also have a performance degree, which is more aligned to classical singing if they want to pursue orchestral or um, opera, anything classically related in, in the music field. And so we're busy. Um, also a mom of three kids. <laughs> Met Eartha through our kids being in school together. So it's, it's always, I wear a lot of hats. You know, and I love I love sharing the knowledge that I can to everybody. So thank you for having me on the show. See, everyone, you can see why it was so hard to get Amy on the show. I feel, you know, oh, this is such a gift. Thank you for sharing. This is a mindfulness moment in itself. The thing that got me curious about mindfulness and music is, as I shared a few moments ago, or it is when I first started to teach mindfulness to children I would you know teach the skills and they did pretty good I mean for I was more than I expected actually um, and I found that I wanted them one of my goals for them was to sustain their practice a little longer so that they could get into the practice of using mindfulness uh, breathing relaxation uh, so you know I used uh timers because a lot of the research says to use timers and I tried that but then they got then they got distracted with the timers <laughs> and it was okay because life is about distraction and and we have to learn how to deal with that but by chance and I I played um a song a, a wordless song a mindfulness song I think it was like with oceans and, and music and oh my goodness the class, they, they, their focus was sharper. They sustained their practice. And I thought, there's something to this. Um, I used to teach uh, um, breathing classes to, uh, you know, um, pregnant moms and, you know, relaxation breathing. And I used to use music in that. And I didn't know if there was a correlation or something like that. And I always wanted to talk to an expert in music, you know, um, someone who knows music. I'm a nurse. You know, what do I know about music except the effect of it, you know? And so I wonder if, if I could hand it over to you and, and let you uh, just take and share with us, what is the relationship here uh, with, uh, with mindfulness and music and, and what, what's going on with the brain with, you know, what part of the brain is, does it affect, you know, the, the decreasing anxiety and the focus? What's going on there? It, I was just thinking the other day about mindfulness and, and essentially how um, musicians incorporate it into so many different elements. Before I get into my spiel about it, there, I'm going to preface that. Um, there's a wonderful book written by Vanessa Cornett called The Mindful Musician. And it's a great book that actually offers exercises on the facilitation development of different mental strategies for a musician. Um, Cause as musicians, we have to get ourselves in the right mindset to be able to perform to the best of our ability. And I think I spend 90% of my teaching time teaching my students how to focus in a positive way and to relax their bodies because as 
especially as a singer, I'm a singer, my body is essentially my instrument. And so anything that I put into it, tension or even negative thoughts can affect my instrument. And so I spend a lot of time dealing with that. But that's one great book. Um, there's been a lot of new research, especially, this is why I love um, doctoral candidate students because they always go into lines of research and publish these dissertations. And I ran across one in 2019 um, from a young woman named Larissa Carlson who graduated from Leslie University. Leslie actually has a wonderful graduate program in music therapy. And she wrote this beautiful um, dissertation talking about the correlation and research of mindfulness to support professional musicians. And so essentially musicians need help controlling their nerves, preventing and managing repetitive strain injuries, especially if you're um, you know, playing an instrument and boosting your creative energy during a performance. So we have challenging problems in our career because we're cultivating conditions that basically we want to create this optimal performance but what is an optimal performance and a lot of times we set personal standards that are beyond you know what is really okay and fine you know because we are i always i always say our worst critic right and so there's been a lot of recent studies on how mindfulness can reduce the suffering enhance your quality of life right and that's just general research but we know that it decreases anxiety, stress, and pain, and it can also regulate your emotions, and, and it can also speed up time from a recovery from an injury or stress, as we know. And so that being, that being said, as a musician, for instance, we have a lot of stress. We do a lot of traveling. I did a lot of traveling back before I had three kids. I would be on airplanes a lot, traveling from one gig to another gig. You know, I would have to fly all day with a loud engine in my ear and then land and start singing that night, right? And not and, and be able to, to cope with that, the travel stress. And now I have to put myself in a character, in a role. And of course, the concentration, the competition, and that can actually affect a performer from doing their very best. And so uh, there was a study actually in 2018 in which um, they did kind of a psychosocial study and they found out that musicians tend to suffer from sleep deprivation, anxiety. Um, we have the worst eating habits. <laughs> because we eat on the run 90% of the time. I eat sometimes at midnight because I did a rehearsal all, you know, all evening without food. And of course, the emotional state of being away from home a lot can affect a lot of musicians. So they did, they surveyed 2,536 musicians and they found that in addition to stage fright, um, orchestral musicians suffer from hearing disorders and muscular uh, skeletal problems. Um, the hearing disorders actually, and I know this because I've done a lot of recordings with wind ensembles, it can affect your oral, you know, if you're, if you have a loud trumpeter in your ear for hours performing, right? And so they basically are saying the optimal um, performance state, we call it the flow state. And that's when we give ourselves an ordered consciousness, um, and a balanced ratio of skill to challenge ourselves. This is where it gets very difficult. So we're giving ourselves um, 
a challenging activity that basically gives us clear goals, receiving immediate feedback on our performance, having a feeling of control and sensing that we're experiencing a sense of self and being fully aware in that moment, right? Feeling that our activity at the same time is valuable. This is where as an educator, I do struggle with that with most of my student body because they're waiting to be critiqued and criticized in a negative way. That's how they perceive that. But I, you know, find if you give yourself, if you're good to yourself, right, and not um, be um, so worried about what everybody perceives of you, right, then then you'll hopefully things will start to line up more gracefully. And so we try to achieve, like I said, that optimal state of performance. And, it, and the flow state is really to overcome anxiety and depression also in our normal day life, right? So we want to give ourselves um, rewards. I guess that's the thing, you know? I, I tell my students to journal every day how much they practice. So I said, you know, you give yourself a small, don't look at the whole picture. I have to learn 100 pages of music by the end of the semester. No, 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 no. Cut it down to three measures repeat those three measures, memorize those three measures today on Monday, and your reward afterwards will be, I don't know, that chocolate chip cookie that's on the counter. <laughs> or 15 minutes of Netflix between practice sessions, you know, whatever, whatever is your reward system. It's really, you know, you know yourself better than others, what you like to reward oneself with, even if it's just a nap, a cat nap, right? Um, and that being said, you're giving yourself emotional steadiness and clarity, which I think as a musician, even though we put on this persona because we're performers that we're all put together, I can tell you even the most famous opera singer will tell you that their biggest anxiety is stage fright hmm. and, and, and trying to get through that stage fright. And they're worried about what all the critics of the major publishers are going to say of them. What is opera news going to say of me tonight after I perform? And people like to live on those critiques and they're not always. Yeah, go ahead. Sounds like as you are preparing these singers and performers, you are really you're really also teaching them about their awareness. I mean, that is paramount, it, it seems like, because they're, they're, you have to be aware of your body and your response and, and um, how that is being communicated out of your, out of your instrument and to, your, to the environment. I mean, it's, it's all awareness. I call it mind-body integration. That's ah. in, in my pedagogy class. I said you have to align yourself with mind and body integration. Now, as musicians, we dive into other techniques that have worked really well. There was a man from Tasmania named uh, Mr. Alexander, and he invented the Alexander Technique because he was having stage fright and presence issues. He was having problems phonating in, as an actor, and it turned out that he wasn't integrated with his body and his posture. And so people have taken that to the next level. I just brought a clinician in last year from um, during the pandemic. She came on Zoom and worked with my students on integrating Alexander technique with yoga and getting the body to align itself. We did like a 40 minute on the floor yoga mat exercises with breathing, with mindfulness breathing 
And by the end of the session, we all just wanted to get up and start performing. Of course, we were on Zoom, so can't do it all together. But it was a moment of, and I have that video, and I love showing it to my students now annually, you know, just to get them, especially in the start of a semester when we're carrying a lot of weight on our shoulders coming in the door. And then, um, and then I, I did a mind-body kind of seminar last year during the pandemic because I felt that this was a good time to introduce this, these yeah. techniques especially because of what the stress of our career. I mean, most of us couldn't perform live anymore for almost two years and being isolated brought a lot of emotional and, and, and especially for my students, I'm majoring in music. What does the future look like for me? Cause we're stuck in a room, you know? And so having to get them to do mindful breathing, I brought a meditationist, I brought all these different types of clinicians and, and we talked about how that integrates into our support system as a, as most, musicians, instrumentalists, and voice, it starts with our core, which is our breath. And it's our breath control because we do a lower expansive breath, you know, for inhalation and exhalation. We're kind of dealing with that resistance um, as we phonate. And so that in itself can be very relaxing if you get into that lower breath you know, just, just doing a couple reps of those, but then I have them find focal points and, you know, kind of laser beam their breath into focal points and doing all kinds of expansive breathing exercises. And I can tell you when I started taking lessons at 13, I was clueless about what my teacher said to me. Um, you know, she had me stand like this and kind of try to, you know, inhale. And then as I got older and did more research and I understood that this breath not just aids in inhalation and, and more sustained breath, but it also aids in giving us better endorphins to sing and enjoy what we're doing. I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful magic thing that this breath can do for our bodies. So, oh, that's amazing. Hi, everyone. I just wanted to uh, interject here that my interview with Dr. Orit Amy Elan Premerton was pre-recorded, and the information is just so rich. Orit is just taking us into a new level of understanding about how mindfulness and music and how it correlates. So what I did, because the information is, is so wonderful and rich, I am splitting the session into two sessions. So this is the end of session one. Come back, join us again for session two on mindfulness, music, and what is the correlation. We look forward to sharing more next time. Have a great day. Be sure and pick up a copy of Eartha's new book, Tab Mindfulness, Awareness and Coloring Activities in a Pandemic World. It's not just an ordinary coloring book. It features 23 illustrations to stimulate thought, relaxation, and creativity for anyone between the ages of 4 and 94. Increase your positive self-talk energy. Unlock new creative paths. Transform your time once or twice a week to create beautiful art while strengthening confidence, building positive self-talk, and sensitize self-awareness. Tab Mindfulness, awareness and coloring activities in a pandemic world. It's available now at Amazon.com.